welcome. We got our guest Nick on from the uh, Conversations of Our Generation podcast. Did I get that right? I wasn't looking. Conversation of Our Generation podcast. And uh, this is the WGN Trash Talks second episode, and uh, we're glad to have him. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Welcome. Thanks for having us on. This is a Swapcast. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Yep. Dual purpose. <laughs> exactly. So uh, what have you been up to? Have you been uh, dealing with all the COVID and such, you know, um, or just the day-to-day? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my work that I do outside of the podcast and everything is gone fully remote. We gave up our office space. So I've been, you know, here in Indianapolis, we haven't been too bad on lockdown stuff, but still our mayor is trying to do everything he can to like make it on as unpleasant as possible. <laughs> it seems like, yeah. so definitely lots of walks and stuff like that, but mostly it's given me time to really focus in and double down on reaching out to more people, getting more interviews like this set up. And so I just figured, you know, reading more, just trying to use the time at home a little more productively, I guess. How about you? What have you been? I mean, we're, I'm not sure. Actually, where are you based? We're in Massachusetts, so we got locked down pretty hard. But uh, yeah. they, um, I, I actually, I had lost my job over this. They had me uh, laid off for a while, or sorry, furloughed for a while, and then finally I got laid off just recently. Um, you, you've been the whole time, I think. Uh, yeah, I've been going this whole time. Yeah, just working in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you probably did. You have like what, like two weeks? I had one week we closed for renovations, and then um. There was like two weeks we actually had to close, but I was just working the whole time. And then we're we're one of the only other places that opened up when we could. Yeah, and uh, I've just been doing the same thing as you, just staying productive, trying to put as much work into this as possible, you know? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Things like when you're at home, there's not much else you can do besides try to find ways to keep yourself busy. I I did all the lawn work that I could do, and then I was like, well, maybe I should figure out how to promote the show a little better. (laughs) Yeah. No, that, that's definitely what I've been doing. I just uh, hang out. Well, I hang out on Twitter all day and pr- pretend it's uh, networking or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been going good. Other than that, I mean, you know, we're working on, um, we're building a studio. That's been taking up a lot of the time. I mean, we got a bunch of new equipment. We didn't even have Collins. That's why this is only the second episode. We finally mm-hmm. figured it out. Um, well, we just had to buy some new stuff and now it's a lot easier. And uh, putting everything into... Um, we got a little space that we're uh, that we're gonna be renting out, and um, yeah, just setting everything up real nice over there. Building a table right now specifically for it. Nice, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. It's gonna be fun. I know. I, I want to get like the background set up a little bit better, like shelves that you can see that have books, so it looks really official and like I read a lot more than I do. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good. always the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were gonna. Uh, we got we got a bookshelf already like is built into one of the walls, and he's got. It's all going to be D&D books, though. He loves Dungeons and & Dragons and all that. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be a game room slash studio. Yeah. Nice. Oh, the TV. The table's sick. It's got a TV built into it, so they can, um, for any game they're playing, they just go on the computer and send over an image, so you don't need to swap out the boards and stuff. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. That's next gen. That's awesome. Yeah. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even thought of that. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People See, think of cool shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah. You found it online, right? Oh yeah, it was literally like a dude on YouTube. He's like, "You can build this for like 150 bucks." I mean, that's 
Yeah, yeah. No. That's not what <laughs> I think. I threw 150 at it. How much did you spend? Well, we oh, also no. just had to buy a TV. You just you just had a TV uh, for no, right. yeah, the, the wooden TV stuff. Cost. I was gonna say, I'm like, man, yeah, you gotta have the TV probably to keep it to that cost. Yeah, but also like anything home improvement, like wood was wicked expensive. Just everything is because everyone's at home just doing projects and shit. Yeah. My parents' neighbors redoing his back porch, and it's like he's like, yeah, I had to go buy the you know materials at four different lows because the you know they're out of they have this much of whatever he yeah. needs at that time. Yeah, it's limited as hell. Like all the wood is, it's like bowed and stuff. It's like everything that was left behind. It's it's like it's it needed needed to be sanded is like an understatement. It's it's some rough looking stuff. We're doing our best with it though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're That's woodworking awesome. boys, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, um, so you've been. Uh, I I saw on your um on your website you got uh, like what 150 episodes now, something like that. Or yeah, posts? Uh, yeah, pushing 160 now almost. I ever since so before I've been doing this for a couple years mm-hmm. and kind of just once a week. And then after COVID hit, I was like, well, I've been thinking about doing book reviews. I like I've read enough books over the last couple of years while kind of on this journey. And so I was like, well, I could start doing like a weekly book review. And so I've just been doing that as well. I figured I'm going to be reading more people out there might be wanting to read a little more. So I figured let people know what I think of some of the books I've read and what I've learned from them a little bit and let people dive in for themselves. So ever since March has been two episodes a week, which has kind of really made that go a lot faster. So, (laughs) yeah, no, we, uh, I mean, with this now we're getting to the point where it's three a week, but that's, I mean, I'm, I'm unemployed right now. So I got the time to, I got beyond time to yeah. do it. Like forget about work from home. I'm uh, just getting a check from home. So there's, there's nothing to do, but like preoccupy myself with things to make this better. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, at least you did a job. Yeah. At least you're occupying yourself with something that's productive and building something in the process. It seems like it's, yeah, I'm hoping. Know, <laughs> there's every incentive to you know not have to do that especially right now with the way that they've kind of rolled out the uh you know whatever the unemployment and everything yeah all the incentives there to just do whatever you can to stay on it the way they seriously set up the like I'm, ma- I'm making more than i was not much more but more well i was for a while now it's at what it probably well I mean, they took my job. It's like, it's like at the same time, like, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Like, I disagree with all of this. I don't like, I understand I'm stealing from my grandkids, but what do yeah. I do? <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when you're not, you know, trying to, it's not like you're trying to be a bum about it or you're trying or like you did anything to lose your job or your company even did anything to lose your job for you. Like the government said you can't operate in some way, shape or form. And so at that point, it's it almost feels like it's on there. Yeah, this unemployment is what this is what it's for. It's for the people like you who didn't have a choice. I I mean, I guess I I, I don't know. This I'm conflicted on it. I I don't know. Like I feel like there's certain precautions we could have taken at my work to avoid it being out. I mean, there's a lot of older people, and then you got to pick and choose. I don't know. I I feel like maybe if they gave everybody a little less money, but also made it you know, an option if you feel you need yeah. to get out of your workplace, maybe something. I'm not, I don't know. I can't figure it all out, but it was crazy. No, it was. And, and I get that. And I, one thing that I've listened to a lot of, you know, libertarian people kind of answering those mailbag questions, it's like, 
we all pay into the system, even if, you know, you don't agree with it, you do pay into this so that it is there in some way, shape or form. So if, especially when the government is the cause of it, it's like, you know, it is there and you have put into it in the past. And so it feels hard. I feel I, I, yeah. I can sympathize with that being tough to kind of swallow in a way, but well, yeah, sort of. It's like it's like how you how you're explaining it. I I more so feel deep down. I'm like they've been stealing it from me. I'm just getting some back. Like I don't yeah. I don't know. And and that's how I thought yeah. about the you know the stimulus check. I'm like oh great an extra tax return because I haven't gotten one some of my money back the last two years because I've actually owed <laughs> for doing contract work that I wasn't you know. And so then you when yeah. you write that check like three or four Aprils in a row, you're like this really sucks. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I know. I, I, I can only imagine if this ever takes off, that's going to be us. You know, <laughs> yeah. if, if it, I do like getting something back. That's, that's, I guess one thing nice about wage labor, <laughs> you know, at least at the end of the year, it's like, well, this helps with the holidays, but you know, maybe I could figure it out myself and just save. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, um, so, um, libertarian, you're saying, yeah, I mean, himself. I kind of come from more of a conservative background and mm-hmm. lean, you know, my dad, staunch Republican mom too, but kind of had that small L libertarian mindset where, you know, Tea Party type people, strict constitutionalists, but yeah. I'd say I'm a little more libertarian, lean towards the, uh, as far as like philosophically, kind of the anarchist side of things. And mm-hmm. as far as like pragmatic, like just being pragmatic about it, uh, I'm willing to wheel and deal with anyone who's looking to expand liberty because any movement towards that is something that I think we need right now, because I just think right now it's just, we just have kind of an anti-state and the only way to uh, move in the direction that I want is to take baby steps. Cause that's how we've gotten to the point where every little thing needs a license. Every little thing needs some sort of intervention from the state. And I think you just have to unwind those one at a time. So, yeah, I know it's like not every problem needs to be solved by government. And it's, exactly. it's, it seems like, you know, government uses more government as the answer to everything. So, and I, I don't yep. think it's, uh, has a hundred percent track record of fixing everything. I'm, I'm trying to convince this guy though. He's not, he's not fully on board with the Liberty movement. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Why is it? Well, I don't know. Are I you? I hate the government. Well, yeah, he hates, hate he hates the government. government. I don't hate the overall idea of government in all of its forms. <laughs> like, you're, mm-hmm. like, we were talking about, like, yeah. I want firefighters. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah. You, well, all I'm saying, you lean a little more, I don't know. All right. <laughs> Stop trying to pull I'm, me on your map. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure you out, man. He's trying to put me in a box, man. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Claustrophobic. Yeah. Yeah. I can be okay with government that doesn't steal from me, like especially not thirty percent of my money before I see it, kind of thing. If it's a government that, and there's a lot of examples of our government where, you know, we they do provide services that you need, like firefighters, like some sort of you, we would need police in some way, we would need roads. I just think that you can accomplish a lot of those things without taking people's money by force. I mean, oh yeah, the yeah, game, like hunting licenses and things like that are a time where you're not really, you know, I think that that's where licensing makes sense. You kind of pay to take part in hunting in the commons where everyone can hunt. You just put in money so that that can be kept up in a way so that it can be there for the next generation. That makes a lot of sense to me. If it wasn't government running it, it would probably be run very similarly. But so many of our other systems have just 
been corrupted and made inefficient because of the way government operates. Yeah, that's that's pretty spot on how I see it. So, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, and especially right now, it just I think that there's a lot of people seeing, like my wife is uh, pretty, you know, laid back, very apolitical. Mm-hmm. And in the last six months, she's been a lot more, you know, like, do you see what the government's doing here? This is BS. And then she just, she's been a waitress forever. She's worked in restaurants for like the last four years and she just finished nursing school and moved into the hospital to work. And, uh, and she was like, Oh, like we're calculating, like, okay, what do you, we expect you to get paid like per check, you know, cause it's still hourly. So we do the math and I'm like, yeah. And we get a number and I'm like, well, you got to subtract like 30% to see what you're going to like get on your paycheck. And she's like, 30% that much. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have the, you know, you're not making half your money off tips that may or may not, you know, government may or may not know about um they never do they don't know about one cent of that tip money (laughs) i've dated a wait i dated a couple waitresses actually and yeah they um they really like that tip money (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah i loved it too i'm like yep we'll just pay cash for that yep no Mm -hmm. problem it's great yeah no it makes things a little easier (laughs) oh man so uh you uh another thing we had on the list to talk about um being religious, uh, this this thing going on around the country with them picking and choosing certain things that get to exist during this pandemic, and church seems very low on the list. Yeah, I mean, especially after you see like places like New York, where De Blasio a few months ago was saying that I'm specifically, you know, talking to Jewish Orthodox community. Andrew Cuomo just did it again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's very disheartening. I, I there was. I mean, we missed Easter. I finally, in Indiana, in Indianapolis, we got to go back to church on Pentecost. So that would have been like, well, I, I don't actually know, 50 days after Easter. So it was like May, May or June, somewhere in there. Uh, I guess it was May. And it's like, it it was just, you know, going two some odd months without it and missing kind of, your basically Easter is your big holiday as far as that goes for church. It's like, it is a little weird to be going to the liquor store to be able to buy booze on Easter Sunday and you can't go to church and you kind of think, Hmm, maybe there's a little bit of selectiveness here. And also I, you know, I shop at a Meyer. It's a big ass grocery store that has, you know, there was no one at our grocery store counting how many people were in there. There was times where there was hundreds of people in there were like, you're in, you know, the bread, like some of those aisles that during a pandemic, when people are worried about food, right. It's like the bread aisles, the rice and all that stuff. There's people crammed around there. Like, just shoulder to shoulder. And I bet you, if you opened a church that day, people would be six feet apart. I mean, like, you know, even once we could go back, there was still pretty sparse. All the old people who normally sit up front weren't there because, you know, some were, some people did, but it was definitely a lot younger crowd than normal. And now it's finally probably getting up closer to, you know, closer to where you would expect it to be. But the, I mean, luckily I go to a, church like a parish that has a very big very big church it's an old like kind of classic style cathedral style type church um and it's so there's a lot of space for people to spread out and so you can't actually fit quite a few people but it's there's an obvious picking and choosing i think that's happened and i think that it's interesting to see people uh, look at something like that that i would say 
not even 200 years ago would have been seen as the most essential thing to do. We're in a culture where, I mean, obviously, other than maybe feeding your food and the basic things of sustenance, that is really something that people would argue is incredibly essential. And our culture has is full of just not necessarily, I wouldn't say like atheists, but it's just very secular, very much a lot of, full of a lot of people who just lack faith. And that's, I guess that's fine. I'm not trying to make anybody believe anything they don't necessarily, but I don't think people in that state of things understand how important it is to someone who does have that, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I get yeah. that. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm consider myself agnostic and yourself. Yeah. Something along those lines. But my mother, I come from, um, like my mother is uh, more religious than a lot of our other siblings and stuff. And they come from a Catholic family and it's really important to her. And just, just from, you know, getting her perspective and stuff, I can see every day how things that she wants in her life are being like trampled on at every corner and no one really seems to care anymore. Yeah. It, it's shifting towards, like you said, that more secular country and, I'm not saying that's necessarily a problem, but it becomes a problem when you can't do what you want, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if it's, I would say it's just as bad to bar religious people from going to church as it is to make, you know, a, a religious people or non-religious people go to church. Yeah. There's not, I don't, I think that there's plenty of Catholics and Christians and, you know, Jews kind of actually tell you like, Hey, by the way, when you do convert, it's a lot. So we're not going to make you try to do that. You don't actually have to almost that's kind of, but for Christianity, the idea is that you do go out there and try to evangelize and bring people into the fold. And, but there's still no mandate that we're trying to push, especially here in America. I mean, really anywhere in Western countries, it's, there's, there's kind of one side, I think of our culture that is really trying to push its vision on the other. And I think that it is sort of a secular society. I mean, Hollywood and, the media and even a lot of the not necessarily elected officials, I think are kind of mixed, a mixed bag, but I think the high up government bureaucrats who really are the people who move our government one way or another are people who want to push this secular kind of like, almost like you had in communist countries where religion is as stamped out or as pushed down and kind of pushed underground as much as possible so that they can make kind of this, make the state sort of replace government and, or replace religion rather in a way. Yeah, and that's actually one of the reasons why it worries me the most. Like with religion not being so important to me, the, the main thing that bothers me is it seems when a country decides to take religion away, it's it starts to be for that purpose, is they have an incentive in getting rid of that. And you hear groups around the country talking about um, getting rid of the nuclear family and getting rid of these other things. It seems like obvious there's a switch in power going on. And I would, I just wish the country was leaning more towards letting everybody do what they want, but it doesn't seem like that. It seems like there's going to be a right answer in this new world. And yours might not be that. That might be a crossroads for you, you know? Mm -hmm. It might be generations though. I don't know if it'll be that quick, but it's moving. It, it, it does seem to be moving that direction and it has been for a hundred years. There's been a trend towards that. And, and I think that one of the reasons why it is, is because political, political power operates in a way that 
you have to get people to buy into your idea and be passionate about your idea and create a movement in favor of it. And the one thing that religion, especially Christianity and Judaism do, is they say that there are eternal truths that we abide by, and even principalities and powers cannot make us betray these. I mean, the earliest Christians were persecuted like crazy and by the Roman government, and and they still today in many countries in the Middle East and around uh, many communist countries as well, they face a lot of persecution. And it's because there is a claim to truth that there's a claim, first of all, that there is an objective truth and a standard that we have to hold ourselves against. And then it is the claim of what that is. And when people see the claim, I think, and they realize that they can't gain power as long as people are adhering to that, they want to tear that down. And I think that politicians go after that so much because it is a bulwark against the state to have the commands of Christianity, the duties, the charity that they ask you to do, or they to make command of you, the nuclear family, these institutions, marriage, all these institutions that are really a way of preserving the ability to choose freely and do that in a way that is lasting and not like freely choosing to go on a bender week after week or something like that, that doesn't last very long. But the sort of choosing virtuous things, choosing to build a life that is ordered towards something outside of yourself is what a government that wants power doesn't want its citizenry to do. Yeah, it, um, like I was saying, it, it, it's the replacement factor. Like, you can't have those outside support systems or you're not going to rely enough on them. And they'd, they, they have a perverse goal of getting as many people to rely on them as possible because, well, that keeps them necessary. But um, back to the uh, Christianity with it, like moving out of the country and stuff. And you see this like a uh, secular um, kind of uprising and it has somewhat of like a disdain for like this uh, almost like um, more religious past the, the countries come from. And um, do you see it as any kind of like backlash? Because like there was a point in time where like I'd say like Christianity kind of was more than the norm in this country. You know, it was like the dominating force and it wasn't fault. Yeah. And, and there was some abuses that like have gone on and stuff of, you know, like, I mean, 50, I mean, up until like what, like the nineties, like uh, treatment of like the LGBT community, which I understand it's changing now, but, um, Mm -hmm. it seemed like it only started to change after the voice got loud enough and Christianity started to lose like a stranglehold or not just Christianity, but like religion. I don't know. Yeah. It could be a ripple effect from a lot of that coming out. And yeah, people are just yeah. becoming aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that you know, while I mean, I guess there is a sense that a lot of Christians had to come to a understanding of maybe something that you think is sinful shouldn't be punishable by going to jail, right? Like sodomy mm-hmm. laws and things like that should not be enacted. You know, it, especially I think at the bare minimum. You should not be punishing people for, I think, victimless crimes, right? Mm-hmm. If people want to smoke, and I don't even know if necessarily weed is a crime or not here, you know, gay sex is a crime, you know. But what I, I guess I don't have another word for crime other than crime, but some sort of thing that you think is a sin or a transgression that doesn't have an actual victim, where someone's not a victimizer and a victim, clearly. Yeah. You know, I think we can all agree that rapists should be punished, murderers should be punished theft and stealing should be punished but i think uh 
there was a definitely a period of time and it wasn't I, I think there was definitely a period of time in the especially like 40s to like 50s and 60s with kind of like the counter like the cultural revolution that came in the 60s was sort of a reaction against this rigid sort of christian world that developed post uh, uh after the great recession and there was sort of a sense i think of not only like a, a bunch of hypocrisy among people in that but also this sense of overly try, trying to make too much order out of the society and trying to dominate too much and get too much into people's lives and not allow people to have the liberty to choose good because I think personally, if you're choosing to not, uh, you know, smoke weed or drink to excess or whatever it is, like if you're choosing to do something uh, or not, choosing to not do something because you're afraid of punishment, then that is not the highest good that you can achieve. You should be choosing to do something, not do something because you think it is not ordered towards your best, your human flourishing, right? <laughs> You should be doing the things that you should be choosing good things because they're good, not because you're afraid of punishment. And I think that there are, I think that that's something that a lot of Christians now would take hold of and say, you know, maybe I personally disagree with certain things in the LGBT community, but I don't want them to be punished. I don't want them to be cast out of society in any way. Mm -hmm. I want them to be able to, you know, I, I mean, I work with people who are, you know, who are gay. I don't, I've hired people who are gay. Mm -hmm. I've never actually run into the trans question there. I think that's a little more complicated situation, but like, I think I don't have that issue. You know, it's like working side by side with someone. That's not a problem. You know, it's, I think that there was, there is a backlash now that's kind of trying to enforce this secularist idea, mm -hmm. which I kind of feel like is a backlash against people trying to enforce Christian ideals on a post-Christian world 200 years ago, 300 years ago, you didn't have to worry about that because people kind of just all agreed because everyone was Christian pretty much like that, especially here in America. That's just how it was. Everyone was pretty much a practicing Christian. Yeah. And so you have to have laws to, you know, enforce some of those good, uh, the behaviors that they think they see as good. So, yeah, no, I, I understand that. And it's not even like, um, you know, just not with those behaviors, but even just people who found themselves like not being religious, having it pushed on them and stuff like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of that. I'm just saying um, it feels like it was such the norm and just we're we're in a generation that's rebelling against their parents. Like the last like my, my mother's generation was probably like the last one to unquestionably like. And not even, I mean, they grew up in the 60s. It was already starting there, but uh, you still listen to your parents quite a bit, you know? And like this generation, <laughs> I mean, they just don't. The younger I see them, like 10 years old, and they're the boss of the house. Like it's it's just, generations just moving different. And it seems like people are rebelling a lot against like, you know, it was like, it was kind of like a 90s shift. Like things changed so quickly in the 90s like just technology wise we went from like cell phones being these huge things like right at the beginning of the decade down to like i mean when was the first iphone that was like 2004 four so pretty close to that or yeah no, it, was, it was like 2006 or 7 i oh, think we're in high school. school i thought i had like a i don't know maybe i don't know like they had ipod video in yeah they had like the ipod touches and everything a little bit before 
Yeah. But I think it was probably 2005 or 2006 would be my guess. Yeah. But you get what I'm saying. I'm saying the shift was so fast that, like, you start talking to your parents about how to use their phone, and all of a sudden they can't keep up with, like, what came out yesterday because that's, like, way past. the kid just gets to tell them whatever they should buy them. Yeah. And the kids have all the buying power. <laughs> it gets, it gets, yeah, it's it's weird. It, it was like a, it was like a quick shift, and I mean, it's starting to move like exponentially. But yeah, I think like there was a big gap between how, like, even just like kids of, I mean, like the late seventies, eighties, and stuff. How kids were like raised from there to just like this instant shift, like in the two thousand, like how the two thousands kids are raised. I mean, it's all on their phones. It's everything, and oh. they just not on the same page as their parents at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I definitely think that there's a big shift in it. And I think that it's almost, it's not a shift in like kind as much as it is a shift in pace because for the last, especially since the industrial revolution, that was kind of the first time where, you know, you didn't just do the job your dad did because he also did the job his dad did. And that goes back, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. I mean, if you look a thousand years ago, there really wasn't much mobility. If you were a farmer, you were a farmer. If you were dad was a cobbler, you were a cobbler. Yeah, like how, what else were you going to learn? <laughs> Your dad's the only person you know. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so there, there really wasn't change from generation to generation. It happened. Like if you look at what happened from 500 AD to 1000 AD, a lot of stuff changed and things happened. But if you look at like what happened in a hundred years there in a family, nothing really changed. Mm. And that really started to change in the 1700s, 1800s, and really in the 20th century, you saw a lot of change. But then, like, when you hit the computer age, that really started to, like, Moore's Law has been in effect since the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. We talk about it a lot in the since computers because it's been very visible. But I've heard some economists argue that it's been, in, you know, it's been happening for 300 years now, basically. And that has kind of hit like this sort of inflection point. It seems like where the technologies like outpace. I, I mean, when I graduated high school, I was like falling behind on what apps were cool already. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'm oh, still yeah. in college and supposedly one of the cool kids. And I, I'm not keeping up with what my brothers are what's up and what's new, let alone, you know, any parent that's out there or anything like that. And I do think that that kind of gives these kids, a lot of kids, and I can, I have two younger brothers, one's a senior in high school and one's in college. And I think that they, they and their friends have this attitude of we're in the know, we know more because we know all of these technological things. And my parents are sitting there like, yeah, but we've like lived through the cold war and, <laughs> and yeah. we were there for 9-11 as adults. Like we, we've also seen a lot of, you know, we've been alive for like five wars, you know, and all sorts of, you know, we have a lot of life experience and other stuff besides the best iPhone tricks. So don't act like I'm stupid because I can't change my font size. <laughs> and, and I think that that's kind of this, especially since the 2000s, I think that there, I think it was different and I might be biased because I was born in the nineties, but for people who were mm-hmm. born in like the nineties that there is, there was kind of this, um, I'm smarter because I have this, you know, advanced degree or I have these sorts of things, you know, I have this inside knowledge, but, or that my parents don't have at least. And I don't know. I just think that it's much, much more now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's real weird. Cause I don't think before this time kids were better than their parents at anything. So yeah. they would act like, you know, they'd act like that and they could get shut down. 
You know, mm-hmm. like you don't actually have, know how to do, do math or something. But mm-hmm. now kids can just absorb technology. They understand it more than their parents who just don't because they don't have the time. And then they have something to feel better about. Like it takes like a, like it's somehow it's like the amount of time you have as like before you realize your parents aren't perfect has been like shortened. Like all of a sudden, like you just show up and like, hey, I know something you don't know. That day happens a lot quicker. It yeah. Like. <laughs> That's at like yeah. five. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When they're five on their iPad and they're like, no, you got to go here and do da da da. My five year old cousin showed me how to use my mom's TV. I didn't know how to use the new bo- <laughs> like cable boxes. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. whatever. They can have the world. I'm done with it anyway. I mean, I used to learn things better when I was that age. Like, I think of some of the stuff I figured out on my own, like with the computer when I was like 10. Oh, I, yeah. I just, <laughs> elastic, it just absorbed. It's just, <laughs> now I'm like, I struggle. I struggle to learn how to set half this equipment up. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a curiosity too that you have as a kid that, that like, I mean, like, I, my friends and I would spend all this time trying to figure out how to make like little blow darts out of paper. And we figured we, we've started like making them one way that we found that you, they were a lot faster, easier to make. And they actually work better if we did it like this other way. And, and luckily one of my friends was a future engineer. Like he now works on materials for SpaceX. So <laughs> he was uh, kind of the leader in figuring out things for us. But uh, my other friend and I were very happy to go along and be able to like, you know, shoot air darts like across the room and break skin and stuff. And just, you kind of have that curiosity and that time to explore more so than when you're an adult and you're like, this shit's not working. I need to move on to something else because I have a million things to do today. When you're a kid, you just don't. Yeah. Once you get 25, you're like, I need to make something of my life. I need to, I need to do something. Yeah. Just get up in the morning, open your phone. No, still haven't figured it out. Okay. (laughs) Uh, yeah, you know, getting out there, figuring it out. I mean, I really like if there if there's anything I know, like you said, when when you do something long enough, eventually got to move on. Uh, but we've only been doing this a year, and I am just still in love with it. Like it's just so much fun to do this, and it doesn't feel like work. And what I've been telling myself, I'm like, even if it doesn't work out, like this is like the best like home videos almost. You know, I mean, it's mostly yeah. audio, but time capsule. Yeah, yeah. time capsule exactly. Yeah, because yeah, we'd be doing this anyway, just hanging out and talking. Yeah, <laughs> might as well record it. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's and I think that's cool. I think, I mean, for me, the same way, there's a point where I was, like, not getting a lot of listens. I still don't get a ton. I mean, I'm not huge. But it's like, man, what am I doing this for? And then yeah. I'm like, this is really cool because this is, like, a time capsule, like you said. It's, like, a couple bucks a month to have hosting and have this to where, like, hey, my grandkids can see what I thought. That's kind of cool. Like, you don't have a lot of times in history where you can just preserve things for your future generations. I can't imagine what I would give to have some of the things that, you know, my grandpa turned his life around as an alcoholic and became a success in life. I would love to know what he was thinking when he was starting to make those changes in his life yeah. or, or right after when he's like, man, I finally got my feet under me. This is how I feel. And that, you know, cause now you see him as a, as a success, but you don't see all those doubts and all those questions. And, I think it's cool to have that sort of record and it's great that it's so cheap to have it. Yeah. And, and also you just learn a lot by doing this, like having conversations with different people. And for me, it's kind of a forcing factor to make sure that I'm reading and like continuing to learn things so that I can go on the podcast and talk about something new. And it's not 
the same thing every single week as well. Yeah, we got a little problem with that. We, we got like five things we always end up talking about. We just know what we like. <laughs> well, it's one thing too if you're, you know, it's a lot more entertaining to have a group of people talking about those things. I kind of do this generally solo and I've been doing more interviews, but um, before that, you know, if it's just me talking about the same thing, yeah, I'll run out of things to talk about. I feel like if you have other people to bounce it off of, it's a little bit easier to keep, keep it a little bit more fresh. Yeah. Yeah. We try to switch out. Like we have um, three people on for the main show consistently. And then we switch out the fourth mic and that does, it keeps things moving. Like if it was the same four people every time, I think we'd have a harder time. It it just changes the dynamic and you like learn new things through each episode because it's just like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't do that when uh, we have so-and-so on. Cause it make I don't know. It's just like different things. Like you learn different things about how people act, like, especially like, I mean, people's first times and stuff. You never really know how somebody's going to be on mic if they've never done anything like that before. So it's like things arise, but you learn different things with each person. Keeps it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I, I definitely think that it helps to, I listen to a podcast that has like three priests that'll kind of rotate around a little bit because they're not always there for the pot. Like, so it'll always be two of them. And it's really funny because their dynamic changes because, and you never know what you're going to get with them, like who, which two will be on there. But it's, it, there's just very, it's just very funny to hear like these two guys get along and gang up on this guy. And then yeah. the next time that that guy's on there, he's like, you guys were talking smack when I was out last week. And, and it's just funny to kind of see what that does when you change that out. It, it really keeps, and, and they talk about Catholic stuff the entire time. So, uh, you know, it's very, I mean, there's a lot to talk about in 2000 years of history, I guess, but yeah. um, it, it definitely keeps things fresh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's fun. And I mean, uh, moving forward, we plan on having, um, you know, more people like yourself just um, just spreading out because right now it's a lot of, uh, you know, it's people we know. Like I said, we weren't even doing call-ins. It's people we find in around town and stuff, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah, we just drive around in our truck and pick people up. <laughs> we, we were actually making a joke a couple weeks ago about just uh, going on a dating app and setting up a date. When the guy gets here, just be like, dude, do you want to do the show or not? <laughs> just searching for guests that way. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just the worst, worst kind of catfishing. And just be on there like, yeah, come on over. <laughs> There's three of us. So I know you thought we were a hot blonde, but <laughs> this guy used to be blonde. It counts. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But we got a couple beers and some microphones, so come yeah. check. I, I really like. I don't want to waste somebody's time like that, but I'm actually curious to see if we could get a guy to stay yeah. after. Like, all that. look, you're clearly not getting laid tonight. You might as well hang with the boys. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Yeah, but I think right. it'd be interesting to see, though. Yeah. I, I feel like if you could pull it off, that'd be hilarious. I think, like, if we gave him money, it'd be fine. Like, we'd have to do that. Like, we'd have to yeah. just give him like fifty bucks. And just be like, it's cool, yeah. right? It'd either be legendary if it succeeds or we'll die if it fails. Yeah, it could really go that bad. You never know. <laughs> I um, think there's in between, maybe. <laughs> it could, hey, maybe. We're, we work with extremes over here. Yeah, go big or go home. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, well, um, what else is going on? Oh, you know what? We didn't talk anything about um, saying you haven't talked much politics on your show. We, we do that a little over here. Mm -hmm. um, big man's got COVID up with that that's going to change things uh, yeah i don't yet know how it'll change things though because 
if he tests negative in like two days mm-hmm. and I mean, I haven't seen him, you know, they gave him a little, they said they had him on oxygen at one point, which they probably did it precautionary. It's like, if this man who's lived off Big Macs his whole life yeah. can at 74, just beat this thing, no problem. You wonder how much that actually changes people's perspective on it. Cause mm-hmm. I can show you all the numbers. I mean, especially like, like they look at the uh, people who the percentage of people who die with COVID mm-hmm. that's much actually those rates of uh, like the fatality rate or the, I forget which one it is exactly, but they don't really show the actual times where people's death is attributed to COVID. Not like they had three other comorbidities, got COVID, then got pneumonia and died. It's yeah. like that's counted as a COVID death. Whereas that's not the same as really dying of COVID. It's the same as like, people all the time get cancer and are in trouble and get pneumonia and die or whatever it is. Like pneumonia kills a ton of people, but no one worries about pneumonia. The flu, same thing. Like if you get that when you're vulnerable, it's bad. But those stats, you can't explain that to everybody. Like not many people are willing to hear that. And what people do know is the stories, the anecdotes, you know, are their friend that they had that had a really bad battle with it in their 40 or 30 and they were hospitalized. They may have had to be innovated and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you see this unhealthy looking 75 year old man or how old he is, just like beat it in four days, even if he has good healthcare, obviously yeah. it's like, well, oh. they're, they're always leaning towards that. Cause he did get to take that experimental drug, which, but my, my argument, what three different treatments What was that? I'm never going to guess these drug names. You just had it. What was it? What was it? The there you go. Yeah. So he was doing. uh, So the other thing too that they won't talk about is he uh, he was doing hydroxychloroquine, um, zinc, and the azithromycin already. Yeah, like ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, as a prophylactic, and then he had the the other thing he did add in there was the zinc ionophore. I cannot think of what it's called, but it's something that changes the zinc ion so that it's actually usable by your body because that's what helps you fight coronaviruses, mm-hmm. colds, flu, all that stuff. And he was in, and hydroxychloroquine is what pumps that into the right place. And so prophylactically he was set up to be healthy already. Yeah. And, and so he was in a good spot, but you know, I'm curious to see what is the fallout because I think that the people, I don't know, the people who I talk to right, left, center, are interested in getting back to work, are interested in saying, I'm ready to move past this. Mm. I'm however old, I'm more likely to die of the flu if I'm under 60 pretty much. And so I want to get back to my life. And so I wonder how many people are going to see that and be like, oh, that's a promising thing. A, B, you know, now Biden and people are recoiling even more so and attacking for, you know, beating the virus it's like, well, he hasn't quite beat it, but you know what I mean? And I wonder if that pulls people in and says, I want to move past this. He wants to move past this and it helps him out actually. Yeah. I wonder how it's going to go. Cause I, I mean, at its peak, I mean, obviously in places like New York and stuff, it was getting bad because, you know, everyone's so clustered together. So I don't know what's going to happen when some of the country is deciding we're over this. And some of the country is actually at a place where they don't have that as an option because, you know, it's it's different in different places. And um, 
Wait, hey, can you? Are you? Oh, I thought you were leaving the room for a second. I was just gonna ask you to grab me. Anyway, uh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I'm saying there are there are places where it's um it's getting like it's it's they're gonna they're probably going to need to lock down again, and um, I don't know like how that's gonna shift them because they had a totally different experience. So I feel like this is just whether no matter what happens, this is going to yet again just push everyone towards their extremes. Mm-hmm. Like this has just made the Biden voters more comfortable with what they got trump voters more comfortable with what they got yeah sorry i think that that's a possible i think so but i do think that you know like new york's talking about locking down again because they have a spike but if you look at what if you look at the totality of what's happened in the last six months in any of these places like whenever they talk about the spike don't look at what's happened in the last three weeks look at the totality because yeah if at their peak they were having you know 5,000, you know, if, if at the peak they were having 5,000 deaths a day or something like that, I don't know what the number would be, but, and now they're talking about a death, a jump that was from like 100 to 200 deaths. It's like, that sounds really, really bad. But then when you put it in context of everything that goes on and how many, you know, there's 8 million people in New York and however many more on the New Jersey side of things, it's like that whole area is just millions and millions of people. Things happen. And when you have that many people, like if, here in Indianapolis, that sounds crazy, but that number might not be as crazy for how many people they actually have there statistically. Once once you look at how many people die of car accidents and you compare those things, you think, oh, wait, and you kind of take a step back. And I think that what we have to do is not be, not compare coronavirus to unlike things, but just put the risk factor in perspective and say, okay, what is the actual statistical risk for someone in my age group of contracting this, even if there's a spike, even if whatever's going on, because the fact of the matter is we're not going to move past things until you have enough people actually get the virus or get vaccinated. One of those two things, it's going to keep spreading as long as there are people who are vulnerable to it. And the goal is to have the treatments there for people who do catch it to make it through. Okay. And to not have to go into severe healthcare or, or obviously not have any fatalities from it. And so I, I think that just putting that into, like finding a way to put it into perspective is important and take, and I think that like uh, following Justin Hart or Jeffrey Tucker, people on like that on Twitter do a great job of like saying, okay, here's the number that they're telling you. Here's the big hundred percent spike. Here's that graph in perspective and then or here's sweden who's done everything wrong by the way they have no deaths and and new york for what it's worth they got hit incredibly hard but still never overwhelmed their healthcare system which was the whole point of the flattening the curve yeah and now they're down to days where they have no deaths and you don't want to see all those people die they just got hit before we had an understanding of what the treatments could mm-hmm. be now Florida and some of these other places that they say are spiking or have spiked Texas when they had a spike a month or two ago, they were able to handle it because we knew the treatments, we knew what to use. Mm. And, and so not only did they not overwhelm their healthcare system, they were able to treat patients better because we had learned things in a couple months of treating this virus. And at this point, I just feel like we kind of know what works. And if people would just stop obfuscating that from the media, from President Trump too, like everybody who just is on the extremes shouting about it, if people would just say, hey, here's what works and be calm, cool and collected, I think we could really find 
a way to not totally move past it without precautions, but go to our normal lives with mild precautions in a lot of ways. Yeah. Now, I've been saying that since the beginning. I mean, obviously we needed to figure out these treatments, but I think there was still even a way that we could have gone about that. Cause I mean, with like these mask mandates and stuff like this is supposed to help. And it probably is because everyone's wearing that, but I just can't even believe that it's doing most of its job when almost every single person I see is wearing it wrong or wearing one of the ones that makes things way worse. Like um, they say those, uh, what are they called? The net gators or whatever. Yeah. They say those, um, those just disperse in like every direction. Yeah. And then uh, the, the N95, uh, specifically the one with like the filter on the front, they say those in clean. No problem for you. Everyone else, shotgun if you have it. It's just blasting that stuff back at everyone. So mm -hmm. I'm saying like, I mean, like, it's like basically just those medical ones and like the normal cloth masks is the only like good ones to actually be wearing. And um, I, I just see way too many of the other thing that I'm like, if this thing was out here, there's like probably 40% of people who are actually doing this precaution correctly. Mm -hmm. So... Even then, it seems like we've almost done nothing. Like, the lockdowns, like, everything you measure, it seems like people were doing the polar opposite of it. So how can we even know it helped? It seems like it didn't. It seems like, actually, the worst thing was trapping everyone inside for extended periods just sitting next to each other. That was probably the one thing the lockdown did that made everything worse. Yeah. No, it seems like that's the case. And it seems like, you know, masks have a mixed bag of things there's a lot of countries that are doing really really well with masking that got hit and got knocked on their ass like southern europe was masking really well and got rocked whereas a lot of the scandinavian countries had like really low masking rates and have done much better already and are kind of through it now hmm. and like so it but what they did was they unlike Cuomo in New York, they kept their old people away and did not, you know, and protected the nursing homes pretty quickly, but they were a little slow to do that. Um, and well, he did, didn't he send people back into nursing homes that were already sick? Didn't he do that? Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then they pulled them out of the nursing homes to make sure that when they did pass away, they did in the hospital. So it wasn't counted as a nursing home death. Oh. So then okay. Or yeah, yeah funny. No, they, they pull them out to get them treatment, but then those don't count as you know someone who contracted it or died in a nursing home. Yeah. So you can pretty much double their numbers on whatever they say there. But it's like, and, and Sweden didn't know that at first either. We didn't know, you know, when they were saying we're not locking down, we're not doing any of that when everyone else was. They, you know, they did make some mistakes, and we all did, right? Because it's a new thing. We we hadn't run into this before, and so. You don't know how to handle a virus that you haven't studied, that you haven't, you know, ran into. But I think the other thing to remind us is to put into perspective, the Spanish flu, the way it ran through our population today, if you at like if you translate the percentage of the population to today's numbers, I mean it's millions and millions of people. Right? I mean it's it's enormous carnage. And that's right after you have World War One. And those people still you know, they took precautions because we did have at least, I think we at that point would have had the germ theory, but it, it wasn't as extreme as this. And I think that our response is disproportionate to the threat. And I just, I don't know how to explain it any other way, but that is, I think the most simple thing. And I think we need, I don't want to get back to full normal. I, 
I do want to get back to full normal, but yeah. if people want to take their precautions, fine. But as a 25 year old, I'm not worried about it. I don't want to not be able to go to a bar and hang out till 3 a.m. because you're scared of it. Yeah. Let go do what I want to do. And, you know, my, I'll get it. I'll be fine. And then you have one less person who can spread it at that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, have you, um, What's like? What's the rates on that? Can, didn't they say you can get it again? Something. I don't know, but my mom got tested for the antibodies twice. It's been six months since she had it. She had lost her sense of smell and taste and everything. Did and it come like, back though? Sorry. Did it come back? The, the those senses. Still has the antibodies. She just got tested a couple weeks ago. So for no, no, no. I'm saying the um the senses. Did the senses come back? Oh yeah, yeah. She got it back. Yeah. Sorry. Cause I heard that some people still don't have them. Like it just, it's taken a long time. Yeah, no, she did. She got it back, uh, decently fast, but like, she know like she has like a sense of smell. That's like crazy. So when she stopped, like when, when it went away, she really noticed it. She's like, this is weird. And then like two weeks later it came out that that was one of the symptoms. And about a week or two after that, she kind of started to regain it. Um, mm. but yeah, so she's been tested just to make sure, like, cause she got tested to see if she had the antibodies when they came out that you could. And they're like, oh, well they go away after three months. So she's like, well, screw it. And so she was like, six months later, she went and got tested just to see what it looked like. And it's like, yep. So I'm skeptical that that's the case that everybody loses the antibodies, A. And B, you don't necessarily keep antibodies as far as I understand. I'm a layman here on this. <laughs> But as far as I understand, you don't necessarily need to keep the antibodies to be able to fend off a virus because your body kind of incorporates the kind of the memory of how to defend it and that you have T cell immunity as well. And so I think that can be, you know, kind of take that on and be able to fend it off as well. I could be wrong, but that is my basic understanding. Yeah, sounds sounds about what I heard. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I try to not like espouse on this like i know i'm like i studied yeah. marketing in college so definitely this is not my domain but yeah, it's just what like you dug through yeah yeah no same, yeah, same none here. of us said we were doctors when we started it's all right you know <laughs> i did but i was lying yeah you're, you're always <laughs> lying though that's the whole point of this whole podcast network yeah yeah it's just a sham <laughs> uh but uh yeah so what else is what else has been going on let me see what else we had written down your laptop's about to die. Oh shoot! I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I don't have it plugged in. Um, you know what? Let me get this. Let yeah, me get me this check. plugged in real quick. One sec. <laughs> yeah. So um. Oh, I wanted to mention before when we were talking about religion and stuff because I grew up Roman Catholic. I was like confirmed. I went through all that shit, and then I found out through like movies that like people used to hate Roman Catholics. And I was like, I didn't know there were things like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, like, even still, the Freemasons were founded in order to really combat the influence of the Catholic Church in a lot of ways and to create kind of this more secular society. Here in America, it's just a men's club. But over in Europe, they really did yeah. a lot of stuff to push back. Uh, and Unplug my vacuum over there. But yeah. Yeah, a, a guy I work with, uh, he, he watches a lot of history podcasts and stuff, so I always like, bring up random stuff. Um, but I, I love all the old um, theories about how religions got started and things and possible mistranslations. 
mm-hmm. so I was like, I just binge YouTube videos like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough to know too there because there's a lot of, especially uh, like it, scholarship in the 1800s that wasn't very scientific about things, and so and a lot of times like especially with. It, it, they call it like the Egyptomania. Like there's a lot of things that just say everything that is religious came from Egypt and everything's a mockery of Egyptian religion. And, you know, the, it was kind of baseless in a lot of ways. Uh, there's a lot of, yeah. Those Egyptologists are, um, they, they got big heads. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what, what part of this was baseless? I know I just joined in halfway through, but, the, uh, all the, uh, you're saying the religions, um, kind of extended from Egyptian worship. There was no, there was a lot of people in like the 1800s as they were like kind of under like exhuming all these different tombs and all this stuff and really doing a lot of archaeology that like there's a bunch of people who were like kind of pseudo scholars who would just say, you know, attribute all sorts of different religious beliefs to Egypt. They'd be like, oh, yeah, there's this thing that is the exact same story as Jesus Christ story. And and it's really, you know, you you see that everywhere. You're just like, oh, humans actually aren't that creative. That's all it means. <laughs> yeah. And, and even then, it's like a lot of times the story that they say he was told is wrong. And then also the things that they're working off of, we've also discovered older manuscripts that show that like those are actually reflective of something different too. So yeah. they were, some of them were actually working with what they had, but a lot of them were just trying to write something sensational and kind of just BSing and they knew yeah. it. A lot of people made a lot of money and scientists made big names on Egypt. And then they, when they were being proved wrong, they didn't like it. <laughs> you know, uh, I was, uh, I was only, in, I was bringing up the connection. Uh, well, you guys were brought it up. I just jumped into it, but, uh, cause Jordan Peterson, I listened mm-hmm. uh some of his stuff and he did, um, I listened to most of maps of meaning. Okay. The cat just kicked open the door. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, all right. So he, he does maps of meaning and, um, what was the other one? Um, I think it's biblical called, biblical yeah, his biblical series. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, he's made those comparisons like himself. So you're saying though, that's, that's kind of like pseudoscience. Or? No, no, no. So there's a lot of the stories that they have that there are, um, I, I think that what he does well is he shows that there is eternal truths that we're trying to get at. And a lot of stories kind of show, kind of come out in similar ways because the truths are the same for everybody in some sense, right? We're trying to grasp at the same, because if there is an objective truth, then there is one truth for all of us to discover. And as humans, we're built a certain way. We're going to express that a certain way based on our physiology is a lot in our evolutionary, you know, basically who we are as human beings. That's, that's a lot of what he talks about, but there were a lot of Egyptologists who kind of would like, find like fifth century, seventh century manuscripts and like go back and say like, oh, this is obviously a story that was a thousand years old in Egypt and that wasn't necessarily true. Or they would like the uh, um, uh, something, the clan of Mithras or the, I forget who, what the exact, the like, but there's something supposedly a uh, Roman person named Mithras that came about and healed people and did all the stuff that Jesus did. And he was a story that was 300 years before. Well, it's actually something that is based on the story of Christ that didn't come around to like 500 years after him or something like that. And a lot of people use that to disprove and say, Oh, Jesus is based on this guy. But in reality, 
it's the opposite. And so there's, I, I have trouble uh, looking into those things. I, I think that it's, you have to kind of find the right scholars to look into those because there's a lot of people who I think use some of the bad scholarship and from what I've seen of some of those things, because my brother will send me videos every now and then and I'm like, what are you doing? This isn't, <laughs> I don't know what see, this is. See, but, uh, what, like an atheist type trying to discredit or, or just finding? Well, he's just uh, very uh, skeptical of just anything, kind of. You know, yeah. he's in that radical skeptical, radical skepticism sort of phase. And yeah, I don't want to just call it phase and write it off. But like, he's in college, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, high school. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He took a philosophy class in college. And so. Oh, he's reading Nietzsche on the train and shit. <laughs> Oh man. But yeah, he, he just sent me something and I'm like, that's very interesting. Like he sent me one that's like, oh yeah, the like a polar shift is what caused the flooding of Atlantis and why everything, all our myths are like ten thousand years old. And I was watching it like this is very interesting. And then I looked it up and I'm like, I don't buy any of this. <laughs> yeah. This I started looking into like what polar shifts do, and I'm like, I don't think this is this would have to be one hell of an event. Yeah. Didn't we but, didn't we actually wasn't there something that was similar to that? Like there was like a magnetic shift not that long yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, so that's why, that's so why this year, what? That's why this year is like it is. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I could see it. Like if you're like, Oh yeah. It like knocks out communications or something like that. I could see how like things like that would happen or it throws off, you know, it might throw off where satellites are in space and all, all that the birds are confused. Yeah, I could see that stuff, but like, I don't see it like just changing where the continents are. Like this yeah. video he sent me. I'm like, you, I was like, I'm just yeah. a little more skeptical. No, I've, I've heard a lot about like the, even the lost continent theory and all that shit's interesting. You know, if we find out that human history isn't what we thought, that's all cool. Um, but I mean like, well, especially as far as like faith, it's like, well, is it, it doesn't really matter what, you know, your religion means to you right now, especially. But, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. it's faith based. That's so it doesn't well, really, you know, you always got that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and, and and it's not like it's i mean it wouldn't bother me either way but i just looked at the evidence of it and i'm like i'm just i'm not an expert in it but i just yeah. wasn't very sold on it because and so but yeah i just think that there's i'm just very skeptical of anything that i listen to or i just try to question it because i feel like yeah, here's the thing is especially since i've had a podcast I'm like i know how little i know and if anyone can get out there and sound like an expert because people will like every now and then people will say something to me and i'm like i'm no expert in this yeah <laughs> yeah but you're when like, you have a you're podcast, probably don't know more than me yeah yeah right. and so it's like so i know that i how little i know and so i just try to be questioning it and say does that really make sense does that cohere with other things that i know and if not you know maybe put on the back burner and if i find more evidence for it okay i can re you know look into it but if it's not pressing I don't really worry about it too much. Yeah. That's kind of like there's a, there's a lot of stuff like that. Like, you know, like you're saying Atlantis and all like, you know, just, well, you were saying like our history has been, uh, could be all wrong. And I mean, I think we got most proof of that. What last year when they found that, um, human, like, uh, they found remains of a human that was 300,000 years old, which just like opened the timeline even more. <laughs> oh yeah. Or a homo sapien or whatever. Like I'm saying like someone that's in our form, they found, way older than we thought it opened like what like two hundred thousand years yeah i think i remember talking about that yeah so uh switched up our understanding of a lot of stuff 
Yeah. I feel like that happens all the time, too. Yeah, it does. Like, that's why there's no point in keeping track of it. They're just going to change it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why you just like wait 100 years and then study what happened. And then you kind of know you get yeah. caught up at that point. Like, yeah. I'll check back on that in like a century, <laughs> see if that was disproven. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it does change a lot. Very, like, just, it's, I mean, because there's new discoveries being made, and you have to figure out how to incorporate that into. Yeah. It's like we were talking about before, like um, how, like, in 100 years, a family didn't change. It's like, how many world-changing events did the average person experience in their lifetime 500 years ago? Yeah, like None? Two. Like one? <laughs> Maybe? Like a war and a plague? Like, yeah. yeah for us, it's really like weekly. It. Like, you may not even know that it happened. Yeah, you're just like, oh, there's a war in the state. Hope it doesn't get close. Yeah, I was hearing somebody talk about that today. They were making a uh, joke about describing these as mostly peaceful. He's like, you know, if you went to like, large parts of france during world war ii i bet it was mostly peaceful like it's it's not everywhere <laughs> yeah if you went out of the countryside if you're like in the alps it's like yeah, you know yeah maybe you're not having an issue but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly but uh yeah it's it's um like, like I, we were saying with the conspiracy things too though I definitely think like, some things you just got to quit on. Like you can't just look into forever. Like I, I got a buddy who every single thing has to be like a conspiracy. Like the whole world is just like a theater for him. And like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just one big inside job that he's not, that he, he, he's looking into it. <laughs> but, um, I just like at a certain point, I'm just like, dude, like people can't listen to you because you'll say one thing that's verifiably wrong and we can't hear the rest. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, you just got to give up on certain things. They just like some people just want to believe whatever they want to believe. Like it's it's I don't know. <laughs> I, I agree, and and I think that that's where you know kind of the not. I, I think that with conspiracies, conspiracies, my approach is not to say here's what happened. It's to say this doesn't feel right. You know, hmm. we don't have like is this like this is what we've been given as whatever the narrative is like, especially. Or, or not given, like, the biggest mass shooting in American history, we still don't know anything about what happened or why. Or You're talking about, why um, was it uh, Stephen Paddock? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. my, my approach is not, hey, here's this, this, and this, and this, why it happened. You know, I might throw out an idea, like, here's some of the facts of the case, and this is plausible, but I'm not going to say that that's what happened. Yeah, that was so sketchy. It went away so fast. Like there was, it was like, and you know what? Somebody pointed this out. We we were looking at it. Me and my brother were like, the the only thing they ever had from that, like uh, press thing, the like the first thing they did after that, first press to talk about it. They didn't go on CNN. They didn't go on Fox. They didn't go on any of that. They went on Ellen. They went on Ellen, and they had two security guards describing the entire scenario. I'm like, what kind of psyops are you like trying to convince these like housewives of? <laughs> Yeah, they're not the ones wondering. You need to go on Alex. You need to go on Info Wars and explain what happened. <laughs> yeah. No, like, yeah, yeah. Seriously, calm those dudes down. Yeah. Well, I, I think they're meeting their objective with that though. There's like these two security guards. They're like, it was crazy and scary and bad. And like everyone who watches Ellen's like, good. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's just it's those kinds of things where it's like this. Whatever you're telling me doesn't add up. I I okay with that but if you're going to give me this grand thing that happened on the other side of it i'm like eh. and it's like especially when you see actual conspiracies that come to fruition because there are you know 
the Lincoln assassination was a conspiracy. They were trying to get mm -hmm. multiple other go government officials. You can kind of look into notes and see what happened. And if you look back at the Russia investigation, there really was a conspiracy. And there was a lot of people who were, whether or not you like Trump or not, there were a lot of people within the justice or within the FBI that were targeting him. Didn't they, didn't they finally have like a solid connection between Hillary Clinton and James Comey? Like as of last oh, week? Yeah. yeah. My very, my very first episode was on the connections because I, if you want to know, it's a very long book. I listened to it, not read it, but read yeah. notice by Bill Brower. He explains everything about how like kind of these Russian counter ops work and like their Russian spy community works in modern day. He was a hedge fund manager who got, ended water with them and had to kind of sort it out. And Fusion GPS was basically leveraged against them, which is where they went, right, mm -hmm. to get the oppo research. And the uh, Russian lady that met with Eric Trump was the one that met with Bill Brower trying to get him to stop um, stop this Magnetsky Act, which was freezing uh human rights abusers assets basically is what it was people were over there in russia abusing their people and then getting rich off selling off ussr assets and putting their money in american banks and so we froze their assets and then he was going around the world getting these acts passed in all sorts of western countries where they kept popping the money to and she was the lobbyer that tried to push back against it so when they were like oh, why the hell, Eric Trump was like, why the hell are they talking to me about this abortion law, that, or not abortion, adoption law that they have over in Russia? That was the law that they passed in retaliation to our, uh, to the Magnitsky Act, you know, in, under Obama, 2000, it was like 2013, 2014, something like that. And so the whole background to what happened is pretty crazy, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a real conspiracy. And it's just, all it is, is a foreign actor who hates us trying to confuse us they didn't care what happened yeah politically because no one's going to enact serious enough sanctions on them that really hurts putin and his you know cronies yeah what they want is confusion over here so we're weaker and they can operate in places like syria and work with china and some and expand their sphere of influence in their area that's all they want yeah. is confusion so that we can't put present a unified front against them I know, like you see the the sides they were like supposedly they're talking about all this Russian interference and it's just it's just chaos. They just pitch in every direction. They're like, "Hey, you guys, um, you ever heard of Black Lives Matter? You should get into that." Hey, you guys, have you ever heard of Patriot Prayer? Check that out. Boogaloo Boys, what do you want? Like they just toss all these different little groups around to get everybody in their own little echo chamber, and oh, it yeah. just got the nation fried. Even in Catholic Twitter, I like say something against uh, like people who are very, you know, angry. Like I'm not a very, you know, there's a lot of Catholics that are very angry at the Pope, always mad about every little thing all the time. And I was like, hey, chill out. And I get bots hitting me up on that. I'm like, what is this? Like, really, we're going after, like, this is now also where we're trying to create conflict? And it, and it is. It's every little place that they can use social media. And they spent $200,000 on, or $100,000 or whatever on Facebook ads. Yeah. Like, the Daily Wire, or that's literally you know, what I was gonna just say. Uh, ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro's more as many impressions in a day as these Facebook ads got in the entire election season. So yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. It the it's blown out of proportion what the interference was because it's it was a 
it was all to create confusion and it, it's just silly yeah like Joe, yeah. Joe Rogan, like if they interfered in the election, Joe Rogan interfered like 12 times over. Like, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, at least. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. sorry. What? It's no, I was just going to say it's ridiculous to think that like the impact that they had really changed a lot of minds because the other thing, too, is all it did was entrench anybody. You know, it all it did was you repost this thing and then your friend on the other side of the aisle hates that you post that in comments gets angry and is more entrenched in their position you guys get into you know and you're both just further polarized and in the same camp you would have been anyways yeah i know like i hear like my mom and my aunts argue some of the time and i'm like you guys don't realize you agree on almost everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they just they they get these fine little points they found that they don't agree on and they just go back and forth on them all the time it's ridiculous like this (laughs) this this whole year was just such such like a buildup to it like i mean just 2015 on let's say like that time just leading up to the trump election the russian interference and all that getting everyone entrenched and then all of a sudden they go let's take six months off trap everyone in their house and just they already have their opinions let's just let them fester online and argue about it not face to face with a bunch of people and just make it 10 times worse Mm -hmm. scary year (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's i think it's a lot easier to have a conversation like like this, even if it's, you know, on Zoom, even if it's over, you know, over a phone call, something like that where you actually have to interact with somebody. When you're interacting with an avatar and you have 280 characters, yeah, it's just not a formula for creating a good discussion. Yeah. Yeah, you're not <laughs> changing anyone's mind. Yeah. No, because you have to have a prolonged discussion. You have to actually understand the other person's point of view and really understand it, not get their summarized version. Mm-hmm. And you can't get that on Twitter. You can't even get it on, you know, Facebook where you have enough characters probably to do it because you don't have the time to, you know, mess around with it. Mm. Yeah, no, I I mostly just get dunks on Twitter. Like that seems like the only thing that goes good. <laughs> <laughs> just show up like I know a thing you don't. <sighs> Done. Going home for the day. You got my points. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but um, yeah. So, so how long did you say you were doing this for? You you got 150 episodes, but you said two years. Yep, about well, I guess about two and a half years. I probably I think I started in early 2018. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's um, or I guess it's been two years. Yeah, yeah. I think I started in 2018. Now I'm trying to think. I think it's been uh, what it's been like a year and a month now. For well, it's been a little longer. We recorded like six episodes that we never released we just like practice ran and just mm-hmm. hung out had beers and stuff and i mean even up until like the first three episodes of our show we are just like beyond drunk just trying to be comfortable on the mic <laughs> just it's sloppy but um <laughs> yeah by now i mean um it's it's it feels like it's going good i, I like the direction it's moving in but um mm-hmm. you feel like it's always yeah. progressing even two years in it's moving along yeah i feel yeah. like it's just cool to see the growth that happens when yeah. like oh this really strike a chord with people or that oh people aren't really vibing with that let's yeah. you know do less of that and you just kind of start to respond to the response that you get almost and put out not just crowd pleasers necessarily but mm. do what people seem to enjoy and pay attention to yeah i try to keep a focus on that too because with our Twitter, I 
our show's not really like like part of it is like the political stuff. Um, me and the other guy who hosts the show, my buddy Elijah, mm-hmm. it tends to be a little more like libertarian leaning. But I'm really not that attached to it. I'm more attached to better ideas showing up and me agreeing with those. I just like the ones I found so far, and mm-hmm. um, we talk about that. But on Twitter, it's heavily political, and I feel like. With ours just being like a variety hour fun show, I've definitely cultivated like a heavily libertarian audience on Twitter. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I uh, I don't know if they're surprised to find what they find when they get there, but it's, it's <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's weird. I, I do also feel like it might be a good group of people, though, because, I mean, we tend to, from all angles, free speech, um, you know, just, 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 Liberty ideas. I don't know. Like we, we tend to as a whole, like promote people expressing their own ideas and all those kind of things and having fun and saying whatever we want. And I feel like libertarians will be for that. And then at the same time, I'm cultivating more of the, um, like the, uh, the shit posting meme types. Like, I, uh, yeah. yeah, I got, I got a lot of those guys on mine. So it, it tends to fit. Like, I think they'll be there for that. But, um, yeah, like I said, I'm trying to avoid though, listening a hundred percent. Like when I go and say stuff on Twitter, I'm like, I had once or twice like a little voice police in my in my head like hey, you don't want to piss off all those libertarian guys that you got going. I'm like, wait a minute, yes I do. Screw them. No. Yeah. <laughs> if you're ever worried about pissing off libertarians, you're going to piss off the other libertarians. So like, if you're like, I don't know if I say that, that's going to piss off these guys. Then there's going to be like, because yeah. they're just. Are you suppressing it, your voice for the feelings of others? Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> now, like I saw, I saw a Venn diagram yesterday of like Democrats, Republicans, and stuff. It was. Democrats and Republicans love authoritarianism. Democrats and libertarians, they love uh, weed and uh, social rights. Uh, guns and uh, guns and money on uh, the Republican libertarian. And the dead center hates libertarians. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no matter what, you're not going to please all the libertarian Twitter. So you're not going to, I wouldn't even worry about that. <laughs> oh, are, you, hey, are you voting for Joe? Are you that kind of libertarian? <laughs> Mm. I don't know. I'm more of a don't vote libertarian because yeah, I'd rather. There's a lot of but, that. You know, well, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's tough. Well, I'm only saying that because, like, you know, we're talking about the libertarians fighting, and boy, has she been a point of controversy. Like, they well, are. I actually don't love her as a libertarian candidate. Yeah, I know um, a lot of people don't. Like a, to me, she like from what I've seen of her on Twitter, I'm like, she just seems kind of like a. Democrat from 20 years ago to me in a lot of ways, which yeah. is, you know, whatever you think of it, but it's like, I don't see a lot of the, uh, like really forceful limiting government. It seems like there's a lot of the social justice type stuff is what I get from her account and fine, but I don't think it's a strong, I don't know. Well, it doesn't speak to like part part of the way I looked at it, it was originally like, oh well, she's kind of doing the campaigning thing. She's trying to reach out to other groups and stuff. But really, at the end of the day, I've just been convinced by the people who made the arguments: we're not running a camp. The only thing we have is the campaign. Actually, it's the only thing we have. We're not going to win this. She's not going to be president. So messaging is the key. Yeah. And yeah, she's not exactly touting the line. But the other part of me says. Well, she's like 70% of what I want. And these other guys are like 20. So if I had to pick, <laughs> she's she's pretty great for that, like compared to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's tough. It's like, well, and that's the thing is it's like, I guess the question there is like, do you vote for someone who agrees with you on a lot more that is going to 
not win and it most you know and everyone's and i do get the idea that third party candidates like the idea that not voting for them because they won't win mm. is you know why people don't vote for them because you know it's like it kind of is a vicious circular reasoning yeah. but the other thing is it's like do you vote for the person who you maybe agree with more it's not like the lesser two evils it's do you agree with the person who's going to effectuate more of what you want mm -hmm. really is what the whole like I, I think that put, posing it as there's two evils and i need to pick the less it's like do i want to pick the person who is going to who's running on a socialist agenda or someone who i really have a lot of disagreements with but over the last four years my life hasn't really changed much i've gotten a tax cut and while i don't like what he's done on guns deregulation has been good i know you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. Like, you, you kind of have to, I think that weighing all those things together is tough in a way. Mm. Exactly. And, and that's what I think about with a libertarian candidate. I'm like, well, it's more of the things I want to hear. And I, what am I going to wait around for somebody who's 100% of what I view? I don't think that'll happen until I'm running. Like, it's, <laughs> exactly. yeah. So I'm like, well, this person's obviously way better. We can get some of those messages out, but. I get it when she takes some stances that are like really hard or seem just really hardcore against the platform. I mm -hmm. I don't understand it as much, but I, I have trouble yeah. with any candidate who's you know like uh, kind of touting the BLM stuff and because it, as an organization, I can't think of anything that that organization really promotes on their we we believe page that they took down that I can you know I'm I'm very like I have my sharp criticisms of policing and where that lies, but everything that BLM has purported, I don't think is, um, is any sort of solution for that. And yeah. no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying, uh, uh, I, yeah, you, you, you finish. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Zoom. It, it just seems to me that like those, that's where she kind of lost me a lot of ways is, when you start giving into that, um, that part of our country, it's like now I don't have anything in common. Like I don't have anything in common with those people. So if you're trying to build a wide tent, it's like that's fine. But when you build a wide tent, you lose people because there's people who are there for the narrow tent if they're going to be there for you. And I think that like that's what a Ron Paul type person understands is mm -hmm. I'm here to you know put out the message of what liberty really is about mm -hmm. and that is i think i think that that's a it, i think you have two options you can either have a society where we don't have the two-party system and you can actually run a legitimate third party or you can have a party get out there and get their message out and sway the other parties to move towards you yeah. to get your voters. That's, That's her argument of what she's doing. She's made that argument before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she says that's what she's doing. But uh, she uh, also, you were saying you got a lot of it off of her tweets and stuff. So, like, this is a perfect example of her support for Black Lives Matter. Um, she, If you go down through the thread and you see the rest of her comments and stuff when she's talking to other people, she explains herself more, and Sp Cohen's gone out of his way to explain for her. But... Mm -hmm. um, they, 
they're kind of similar to where I am, where uh, lowercase BLM, which she put the uppercase BLM hashtag, which probably caused most yeah. of the confusion, but lowercase BLM, uh, yeah, totally support it. Black lives do matter. I mean, that's an obvious, yeah. it's a given. But the organization themselves has some motives where they're using this thing as a guise and they have a lot of other things in their agenda that have nothing to do with black lives mattering. And oftentimes certain black lives don't matter to them because they don't support the cause. So it's, it's obviously not the message and way terrible branding because you know what would get way more people on board is if they name their organization, stop killer cops. This wasn't my suggestion. I can't think of who said it, but like that was just the perfect thing for me. I was like, yeah, if you called it stop killer cop, I think it might've been Adam Carolla. But yeah, if you named it that, it, it would have that. There you go. Like everybody can get on that. Yeah, we don't want any killer cops out there. The second you introduce it and make it a race thing, and then also have all this like um, Marxist like ideology backing it, it's not really what it's about anymore. And I think yep. everybody could have gotten on board with what it says it was about. Exactly. No, and I mean that was my first. You know, after the riots and um, oh, now I can't even remember. I was about to say Ferguson, Kenosha, uh, uh, up in uh, Milwaukee. I mean, Okay. Or Minneapolis? Yeah, Minneapolis? Is that the one you're talking about? Minneapolis. Thank you. Okay. I knew it was one. Yeah. I was like, did it happen uh, in Milwaukee? <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah, I think it happened in Milwaukee since then. But yes, um, Minnesota. Uh, or in Minneapolis. I mean, well, I guess it was in Minnesota. But yeah. <laughs> when that first happened, so to get to my point, was my I was like, okay, look, here's what we needed. Like, my first podcast was there are problems with the cops and the riots, and here's what they are. Like, both of these guys are wrong in a number of ways i think that policing could be a hell of a lot better i think that we could fix our laws in a lot of ways so you don't have to deal with them mm. but the riots are just and everything that goes along with that is just not right in any way shape or form that's not the right response to you know it doesn't get anybody on your side i'll say that it definitely doesn't like and people who are already on their side might be fine doesn't help either right it it's not going to get anyone on your side and it's going to alienate people who already are on your side and it's just the wrong thing to do to go and loot and burn things yeah i know like how many how many like signs i saw outside uh buildings that said uh proud black business with just smashed out windows like yeah Yeah. i don't know though then again i don't even believe that sign for a second i'm just like man you're hiding yeah i would put that sign out (laughs) yeah seriously (laughs) you gotta try something (laughs) Exactly. But, but at the time they weren't, really, I mean, they were staying in the local neighborhood. So you probably did have, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. they destroyed their own neighborhoods. That's, that's the worst yeah. part of it. Like, and then and took them like a good month to be like, what if we go to someone else's neighborhood? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, I mean, you don't want either of those things to happen, but yeah. at least you, you kind of understand the retaliation against who you think your aggressor is. Yeah, like, and it's probably it's not, not your right neighbor, still, but it, you understand that impulse. But if you're just like, I'm so angry, I'm going to rob, you know, the guy who goes to church with me and that other guy whose diner I've ate at since I was a kid. It's like, really? That's your response to this? Because they did nothing to you except probably be good to you most of your life. Yeah. Jesus. Sorry about that. This, this guy I live on by. a loud street. Yeah. Guy drives by with a motorcycle and sets off every alarm. Like. Once an hour. Oh, Wait. Here oh, he he's, he's doing a double round. Oh, oh, that, that was a sick. <laughs> Are you getting all this? Is this getting picked up? I hear, I hear a little bit of yeah. I, I hear an alarm, and then I heard the 
Uh, I heard him coming back by the last time. They just do wheelies up and down the street. I don't get it. Oh yeah, doing big things. <laughs> there's there's a motorcycle like club like two blocks from my house, and so Sunday nights sometimes they do parties. I'm like, dude, it's like eleven o'clock on a Sunday night. I'm uh-huh. trying to go to sleep, and it is just they're all like, all right, we're out, and so like there's like forty motorcycles leaving this place at the same time. I don't understand the point of it. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm not right with cars or anything. But I'm like, why is this? And I know it's part of the appeal to them, which is the stupidest thing to me. Why does it have to be so damn loud? My car is like three times the size of what you're on, and it doesn't make that noise. Yeah, like they make I love the fact that my little sedan is like silent. Like I, yeah. I'm in it. I don't hear anything. It's great. I personally enjoy that. I used to forget it on though when I first got it because I had a loud truck before it. So. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I used to. I would get out of the car and then and then hear it, and I'd be like, "Oh shoot!" Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, I, I well, mine at least beeps at me when I close the door with the keys in it, and um, I'm like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> no, mine's right in between. It's um, silent, but uh, not very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you got a loud car now. Your what? brakes are screeching. Oh yeah, just just as of like two days ago, I need new brake pads. They just started squealing. I could hear them coming down the block. Yeah, <laughs> it's just one of them. <laughs> But, you know, probably need them all, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, you got anything else? Man, you know what? I think I'm pretty much tapped out. I probably ought to. Yeah, it was a good talk, though. Yeah, yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, awesome. it was really fun talking to you, though. I, I enjoyed it. I just looked up at what the time was. I was like, man, it's yeah. been, we've been talking for a while. That's awesome. That's, that's, yeah. time flies. It's good, man. It's uh, when it goes good, it goes good. You know, I, uh, we'd love to have you on again sometime. For sure, I'd love to come on whenever. It's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll do it on like a night where we can have a couple beers and get one of those podcasts that becomes incoherent a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> down for good. it. <laughs> Got to be after October though. I'm doing um. Oh, you're doing the sober October? Yeah, so, sort of. I um, I'm just basically excluding alcohol. I still uh. Still smoking. Still hasn't been sober once, but he's tried. <laughs> I haven't made it through a full day of sobriety exactly, but yeah, I don't know. I've been doing these too. These uh, these are actually pretty good. The Heineken Zeros. I still love beer. I don't care, man. If I can't, people look at me like a crazy. Like, why are you drinking that? I'm like, I still like beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just drink. a good drink. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. No, they don't believe me. They're like, doesn't if there's no alcohol in it? I don't want it. I'm like, all right. Well, you don't you don't like beer then. Well, I, like I don't. Beer. I don't pull on a cigarette when it's not lit. So I'm just like, yeah, I just like sucking air through it too. Well, some people chew on cigars. So how about that? <laughs> yeah, but they're gross. I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, I think this is a good place to wrap. Though it was a great time talking, to you, Nick. Yeah, I really had a lot of fun, and thanks for having me on. We'll definitely have to do it again sometime. Yeah, it was great to meet you. Absolutely. Let me get your exact. Here we go. All right, so the podcast is Conversations of Our Generation, and you can follow him at Con of Our Gen. Con of Our Gen. Yep. Appreciate it. And uh, you can check us out. Follow us at WGN Pod. Is it just Pod? I, I forget. It it's either pod or podcast. We go back. You're our social media. WGN Podcast. I know, but there's like 50 different things I had to make. So. <laughs> All right, so at WGN Podcast. Okay. Good night, everybody. All right, that's it for the audio. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, good, good, good one, man. It was, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Definitely, yeah. that was super cool. Like you were saying, with like just meeting people on Twitter though, and like trying to get an assessment of them, I didn't know exactly what your podcast is going to be like. The first time, I'm like you should check us out, dude. We're a little like 
raunchy weird. I didn't know what your podcast was like. I don't know. No, I know. Yeah. No, yeah. I, my friends are definitely same boat. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. It's, 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 uh, I, I don't know. I was just saying, just check us out first. Cause I, I didn't know I went and saw you think I'm like, I had like some artist on last week. We're not, we're not artists. We basically make fart jokes on our other show. Which <laughs> <laughs> no, I had, I had someone on in a, in a, for architecture. I'm like, okay, so I know that buildings are cool when I look at them. That's the extent <laughs> I know, but I'm really interested in it. Like, I follow a bunch of accounts that show me cool buildings all the time. <laughs> exactly, and that's like what I plan on doing with most of this. Like the, the last guy I had on, he he actually asked to be on the first the first guy we had, but. Um, just from following him on Twitter, I'm like, I knew his life was just so different than mine. There was just all these things like, like he was, um, Hotep trucker, uh, just, I mean, mainly those two only things. Fans. But, yeah. He had an only fan. I don't know. He's, uh, he's an interesting guy. So I just like, I had just so many questions, <laughs> but like, uh, with you, it was within a week and I'm like, ah, oh, I just met this guy. I don't know anything about him. So I was trying to do research. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're good. Yeah. No, we'll, we can always do it again. And yeah. You know. know a little bit more about you now. Know what you're uh, yeah. what you're doing. So, yeah. Definitely dive off on some of those branches that we touched on and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can get a little weird next time. <laughs> I'm down for that. All right, that sounds great. <laughs> All right, well, uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll uh, talk to you guys later, and um, I can send you some video too and stuff. So I I'll upload it in the drive and just shoot yeah. it over to you. you have access, download it, use it however you want. Yeah, I'll hold, I'll hold on to cool. it just for, you know, we never know when we're going to be Yeah, up. we're very good at file management. <laughs> Are we? <laughs> Actually, no, I am. I like you should to see this. That, you should see how I've set. I got a new laptop just recently for the show, and it is meant to be easy to find everything. So it's yeah. for once. Yeah, yeah, I like to watch this. I yeah. like the video aspect. Yeah, definitely <laughs> check it out. Yeah, but I'll, I'll throw it up on YouTube too and stuff and yeah. send you that. So you can check it out because I've just been trying to do more there because I'm like, well, I haven't been doing using it, and now that I've been doing interviews, I'm like, well, I might as well just have video and put it up. Yeah, like you might as well have it on one of the largest like platforms. Yeah, I've been thinking about that with ours. Like, we might as well just film it. And and even now, like with just the episodes, just put a thumbnail up. Like people still listen to the audio on there. Yeah, yeah, I I listen to a lot of things that are just thumbnails. Yeah, some people only use YouTube just for everything, like podcasts, and they'll still listen to another one even if it doesn't have the video. Yeah. yeah, I don't actually watch YouTube videos enough or much at all. So it's like, I'm like I don't know if people would do that, but I have a bunch of episodes that I could definitely upload. <laughs> some people, some yeah, people it do it. Like some podcasts, like especially bigger ones, you're gonna get some views because people are already checking you out from other platforms. Yeah. But um, for the most part, I mean, you kind of gotta have a video component. Like a lot of the time, yeah. it's just this though. It's just, it's just you know, half the video is us just staring while you talk or something like, yeah, it doesn't that. really have to be much. Yeah. Just, but as long as it's something. Yeah. But we're going to exactly. have, uh, we're going to have, we got a guy who's big into like audio stuff. He just, he did it for work and now he does it as a hobby. Uh, same guy building the table. He's real productive, but, uh, he, um, he's got a video switcher and stuff and he's got enough cameras that will have uh, three different angles and stuff. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be yeah. dope full production. We're gonna be doing like a Dungeons and Dragons podcast mm-hmm. uh, with the ta- like essentially have different cameras switching and feeding stuff. And- One of them is a GoPro too. And I was saying, can we please just do like a point of view cam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just looking around the table. Just, it'd be fun. I don't know why not. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. big things coming though. Yeah, nice. 
Well, that's awesome. I look forward to it. I'll yeah. definitely have to check out more. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's good talking to you, though. You too. You have a good night. Have a